0: Church family, we're going to continue to worship the Lord through the enjoyment of his word together. So if you brought your Bible with you today, would you take it and turn into the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, and chapter or Psalm 8. If you need a Bible this morning, just raise your hand. We've, Bob's got some in the back. We keep them back there just in case you got out the door without yours today. And there's a little note page in your bulletin. We'll invite you to uh, grab hold of that as well because that may be of some help along the way. And I have been looking forward to today for quite some time because today I get to introduce us to a brand new study series. And the song we just sang will be, is just spot on for where we're going today. Um, I always kind of get my adrenaline pumped up when I think about a brand new series. I had originally, I will just tell you in all honesty, I had originally intended to bring this series to us back um, right after Easter. So at the beginning of summer, Uh, bring this series and let it carry us through the summer months. But the Holy Spirit had other ideas for us. He wanted us in the New Testament at that time, wrestling with the one another's. If you've been with us all summer, you know what I'm talking about. And, And really wrestling with how to put those one another's into practice and cultivate the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace that is so absolutely critical to a church's effectiveness in its community. And so that's where we were hanging out, and the Holy Spirit said no to the series that we are going to start today. But he is greenlighting it for us today, and that does excite me. As you see there on that little note page, this new series is titled God, and then in parentheses underneath, also known as... dot dot dot. God also known as. And you wouldn't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out where this series would be heading. It's a series, quite simply, that will have us in the Old Testament mostly spending time with and discovering and unpacking and practically applying just some of the many, many names by which God has revealed himself to us in his word. So it's a series on the names of God. In the Bible, God goes by literally dozens of different names. And we won't be looking at every one of them in this series, but we will be looking at several of them and they will carry us through the fall and all the way into Christmas. And why would we be doing this? Why would this be the focus? Well, because each one of the names that God takes onto himself reveals an important for us to know aspect of his nature or a critical component of his character Um, These names reveal an essential activity perhaps that he fulfills in his relationship with us. Each one of God's names will mean something to us personally because they apply to our lives. Each one of God's names reveals something about his person. The names vary and and, and they're they're all over the place but they all relate to you and me. And as we learn about these names, we will settle more deeply and more confidently into our relationship with the Lord. And I believe that with all my heart. Until we know God by his many different names, we don't know him like we could, and we certainly don't know him like he would want us to know him. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment to come. And and as we begin this new series, join us in the series. And from week to week to week, Holy Spirit, we ask you to just... Unfold, bring to life the names of God on the pages of your word so that we might understand them and and live in their truth. You know these names, Holy Spirit. Reveal them to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Do you know the name Shakespeare? Sure you do. Famous playwright. He once wrote these words, and you will recognize these words too, even if you're not a Shakespeare fan. What's in a name, Shakespeare asked, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. You familiar with this phrase? Sure you are. By these well-known lines, Shakespeare was trying to make the point that if a name is merely a label that we attach to an object, then whatever label we attach really isn't a very big deal. You can call a rose a rose, you can call it something else. And I really do want to kind of take issue with Shakespeare on that point. Would a rose be such a popular symbol of love, for example, if it were called a stinkweed? <laughs> or, or maybe a death thorn? Would it be that symbol of love? I, I, I really don't think so. What guy is going to want to give a dozen death thorns to a gal whose heart he's trying to win, right? What's in a name? Well, apparently more than just a label, right? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, according to the Bible, says in in Proverbs 22.1, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Clearly, he was not thinking about a label. He was thinking about our names carrying tremendous weight because they have to do with our reputation and who we are. Having a good reputation, having a good name, he says, is worth more than having a really big bank account. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people that kind of flip that thing on its head, don't they? And it's all about a big bank account at the expense of a good name. But Solomon would would say the opposite. For Solomon, who we are and what we are and in our character and in our nature, our, our values, our beliefs... In our essence, all of that can be condensed down and and captured by our name. When we say our name, that that brings all of us, all that we are, into that moment. And names reveal relationship, too. Now, to most people, I'm just a guy in a world of seven billion other people. Nameless. No relationship to them except that we share the same planet. But to some people, I am Tim the Friend. And that name, Tim the Friend, implies relationship. I am in relationship. Relationships of mutual concern and interest, varying layers and depths associated with those relationships. But but Tim the Friend is in relationship. To others, my name is Pastor Tim. Some of you call me Pastor Tim. Some of you just call me Tim. I'm happy with either one of those those thoughts. Modified name, Pastor Tim, but still there is relationship implied in the name. For anybody who calls IBC home, we have this relationship, Pastor Tim. Two very special persons call me Dad. That's my name. It's always been my name. I'm Dad. That's a relationship relationship that I only have with two people in the entire world. I'm also pops to two other people. That would be the, my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law who are married to my kids. I'm pops to them. That implies another kind of relationship. And there are three very special little people who named me Papa. I'm Papa to them. One of them is only three months old. They don't even know yet that I'm Papa, but they're going to know that soon enough. And I'm still learning to wear that new name. But it definitely implies a relationship with them that's very, very special. And then for one, only one remarkable, amazing answer to my prayers lady, who is so beautiful outwardly and inwardly, whom I just, as I said a moment ago, celebrated 35 years of life with, to that, to that lady, I am Snuggly Boo. <laughs> no, 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 no! Did, did I have you for a moment? Did you actually think that was true, <laughs> Snuggly Boo? Uh, no way would that ever happen. No, no. <laughs> Uh, To Lisa, though, I am Tim, the soulmate, Tim, the husband. And with that name comes the most intimate of all human relationships possible. I am Tim, lifelong companion, friend, confidant, lover, provider, protector, defender, comforter, encourager, helper. At other times, I'm frustrator annoyer, non, <laughs> non-communicator, boneheaded decision-maker, s- selfish, self-promoter, and all these other things. But to Lisa, I am Tim, soulmate. And with that name, there comes relationship. So what's in a name? Well, way more than a label, Right? Way more than that. What we are, who we are, our character, our our nature, our values, our beliefs, our our very essence is, is held within each of our names. What's in a name? Relationships are in our names. We need names because we are in relationships at various levels and in various ways. And as my own story just points out, one name alone doesn't work. It doesn't work for any of us in this room. We need other names to enlarge upon who we are and what we are and, and the roles that we fulfill. I'm, I'm friend. I'm Pastor Tim. I'm dad. I'm, I'm pops. I'm, I'm papa. I'm soulmate. <laughs> not, not Snuggly Boo. <laughs> What's in a name? Well, there's a whole lot that's in a name. And brothers and sisters, if that is true for us, finite, earthbound, confined to time and space like we are, if that is true for us, how much more true is that going to be for our infinite God that names mean something? How much more important and necessary are names for him and to him as he desires relationship with us and seeks to reveal himself to us, who he is and and what he's about. How important names are for him. By some counts, more than a hundred names in the scriptures directed towards him. On this screen, uh, you see I am in the center. That's the name Yahweh. But though you may be far back and you can't tell what's going on there, the rest of that screen is just filled up with names of God that we find on the pages of the Old Testament. His character, his essence, his heart, his values, his roles and his activities. And he longs to to make these things known to us by his names. One name cannot fully represent God's majesty or his power. One name can't fully tell us all that we want to know and need to know about him. Since God desires to be known for all that he truly is in all of his multidimensional nature... He has chosen to take upon himself an amazing array of names. And he wants us, church family, to come face to face with those names, learn those names, live with those names, become familiar with those names. And it is in coming to know these names that we will will, will learn to, to trust him more deeply, love him more fully, and worship him more freely as we know him by his name. What's in a name? Well, for God, more than you and I can possibly imagine. It will be our joy, our privilege to weekly pursue these names together in this series. But as you look at that note page, if I can call your attention back to that, you'll notice that I I added a subtitle to the series title. God, also known as With an ellipsis. And then under that strength from his names for life's toughest stuff. And it was important to me to to add that subtitle because what I discovered while preparing for our series was that in our Bibles, not only did God progressively reveal his names over time to his people, thereby revealing more and more of his nature and his activity, but he revealed his names to his people as they needed them. And by that I mean he would unveil a new name for himself, usually in the context of of some crisis or or difficulty or hardship or struggle that his people were going through. God would give his people one of his names, a, a new name of his perfect for that particular crisis, that particular threat to their lives or their situation or need that they had. And so to say it another way, For whatever situation we may be in, God has a name that fits that situation. And we want to learn those names for those situations. When we know God's names, we can draw full strength and power for those tough, tough moments. And that's why that subtitle is there. We can think of God's names as if they were keys, really, that... That He's given us to unlock the storehouse of His infinite and powerful supply for all the stuff that we're going to face in life. He's got a name. So over and over again, we are urged and and invited to to learn the names of God and, and draw close to those names when life is dishing out its toughest stuff. To give you some feel for that on the little note page that you have, look at the verses. And look at the challenge, the call, the urging that is within these verses for us related to the names of God. Proverbs 18.10 uh, uh, says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are what? Safe. That's an appeal to you and I to run to the names of God, to run to who he is. For Isaiah 52, 6, but I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know it's what? It's power. His name has power. Then at last they will recognize that I am the one who speaks to them. From Psalm 24, verse 8, our what? Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And check this one out. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Does that sound like a tough moment? You bet it is. But then verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. I love that. Psalm 116. Isaiah 50, verse 10. Let him who walks in the dark who has no light, trust in the what? The name of the Lord and rely on his God. That's the call to us from Scripture. Psalm 91 verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, the Lord says, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows what? My name. My name. Now, they said a moment ago, when we know God's names, we can draw all the strength and power we need for life's toughest stuff because God has a name perfectly suited to all of those situations. What names, you might be wondering? Well, names like Elohim. You know that name. You're familiar with that name. Strong Creator God. Or Yahweh, Jehovah, a name that means personal, relational God. Adonai, our authoritative ruling God. Jehovah Jireh, our provider God. Jehovah Sabaoth, our warrior God. Jehovah Ra'ah, our good shepherd God. Jehovah Nisi, our banner in battle. Jehovah Rapha, our healer. Jehovah Shalom, our peace. El Elyon, our most high God. El Shaddai, the almighty God. And Emmanuel, what, what is that name? That's God with us. I think we might pick up that name right around Christmas time. And there are dozens, literally dozens more names just like this. Whether we ever become proficient in saying the Hebrew names or not is really not that important. Our brother Don De Palma can coach us on how to pronounce the Hebrew correctly. We can go to him and ask for that. But what really is important, really important, is that we grasp the meaning behind these names of, that God has taken to himself, we wrap our hearts around those names, around his nature, his character, his activity, as the one who is all that we need. That's why we sing these songs about his name today, just beginning to, to prepare us for this, this time together of thinking in this ways. When we know God's names, and we apply the correct name to our particular situation, trial, threat, Fear, hopeless circumstance, we will be able to draw into the power that we just read a moment ago about. Isaiah 52, six. How did it read again? But I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its power. I am fully expecting that to happen, brothers and sisters, as we share this series together. Now, with the few moments that we have left to us, since we're only trying to set the table today and not really going to get into any of God's names in particular this morning, let's just be reminded of a few convictions that we should be holding firmly upon or holding firmly to as we think about our God and these names that he has taken to himself out of his great desire for us to know him. There are some convictions that we want to bring to this series together. If you flip that note page over, Let's affirm, first of all, that God's names are what? They are majestic. Can we say that with a little more oomph? Yes. Majestic, yes, his names are majestic. Your Bible is open to Psalm 8. It begins this way with the well-known, often co- quoted phrase, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Can we say that together? Can we read that together as a church family with power right off the the screen? Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. The names of God, because they are God's names, every one of them holds within it majesty and and glory. Agreed? I mean, his, his names are pure majesty. And as we spend time with these names, discovering and experiencing not only what they are, but what they mean, we're going to be ushered directly into the presence of a majestic God. When David pens these words, oh, majestic, how majestic is your name? He's not saying, God, I I know your name. What he's saying is your name is excellent, it's full of splendor and magnificence, it's glorious, it is beyond compare. And he follows this up with, you've set your glory above the heavens. And then he looks and and he talks about in verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? It must have been a clear, star-filled night when David penned this song. He looks up like we get to do here in Idyllwild. and They don't get to do this in Orange County, but we get to look up, and, and what do we see? Man, we see, we see the stars, don't we? And we, see, we, can see, we can make out the Milky Way and, and all of that, and, and David did that, and he was awestruck by God's creation. God, you did all of this just with your finger? Oh, Lord, our Lord, oh, Yahweh, our Adonai. Those were the two names he uses. We're going to learn about those names and why he chose those names. Your names represent you, and you rise far above all the stuff that you In that moment when David recognized the majesty of God's names, he forgets about himself. And that is really important for us to note. I'm so small, so nothing in this grand expanse, but you, God, who are above it all, you care about me. He realized that his majestic God was longing for relationship, wants to be in his life, though he is small. And God is so very, very big. He goes on, verse 5, You made man a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet, sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. And then he ends the psalm the way he begins it. O Lord, our Lord. O Yahweh, our Adonai. How majestic is your name in all the earth. It's all from you and it is all to you, David says. And what he reflects here is the the, the humility that is absolutely essential if we are going to plumb the depths of God's names together. You can't plumb plumb God's names if you're proud. You've got to come small because God is big. So we confess our insignificance so that we might know more of him. That's a conviction. God, your name is majestic. David will write in Psalm 34.3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Church family, did you know that you walked right underneath that verse when you came in this morning? Did you know that? <laughs> I, I'm not trying to trap you, but it's true. You did. There is a plaque made out of wood. It sits right above the double doors. You walked right underneath Psalm thirty-four, three. And what were you doing by that? You were, you were, you were saying, though you didn't know it at the moment, you were coming into this place to magnify the name of the Lord. He's majestic. When you leave today, stop, turn, look over your shoulder, and read that. And then, in the weeks ahead, look up when you come through the double doors, because that's what we're about. That's our conviction your name is majestic let that be our conviction and then let's join that to a second conviction and that is that God's names are to what they are to be hallowed right his names are to be hallowed now hallowed is not a word that we use much in in our everyday english but it's it's a it's a wonderful word when jesus was asked by his disciples to to show them how to pray he gave them a model prayer an outline for how they should pray. We call that model prayer the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew chapter 6. It's really the disciples' prayer if we want to be accurate, though. And how does the prayer begin? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the model. That's the, the first thing that comes out of our mouths, Jesus says, when we pray to the Lord. Hallowed be your name. Now, that word hallowed and the word holy come from the same Greek root word, hagios. It means to set apart as extra special. It means to sanctify. And so Jesus is saying, when you pray, never forget who you're addressing. His name is holy. It is set apart. You're not talking to Bill. You're not talking to Ted or Sam. You're talking to Almighty God. You're not to lump him in with others and toss his name out lightly. It is a hallowed name to be honored and respected and treated with reverence because it deserves that. You know, if the President of the United States walked into our room this morning unannounced, he just showed up with his Secret Service and he just came in the room, I don't think that any of us would address him by his first name. We wouldn't say, hey, Barack, what's happening? Glad you could come today. We would not do that, would we? I mean, I hope we wouldn't do that. I hope what we would say is, oh, welcome, Mr. President. It is an honor to have you with us today. And why would we do that? Why would we respond that way? Because he holds an incredibly powerful position. And the position is to be respected, right? It is to be honored. Even if you don't agree with the man, you honor the position. Well, if that is true in the earthly realm, how much more true is that in the heavenly realm? Jesus says, God and all his names that he goes by are to be treated with more respect than we would show to any earthly person. Hallowed, hallow his name. Treat it with the Holy holy, holy respect that it deserves. And you know, God agrees with that, with what Jesus said. Of course he does. So much so that he builds into the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament a command that is specifically designed to drive home the truth of his hallowed name. It's command number three. How does it read? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God, Yahweh Elohim, in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Does God care about his name? It's a big deal. So much so that he makes a command around it. The word vain means empty, without meaning. It describes something that doesn't have any substance or or merit or value. It, It has to do with using God's name in a way that's inconsistent with who he is. It involves stripping away the infinite value that belongs to each of his names. So, using his name in vain goes way beyond uttering his name in a curse, which we hear with frequency. We hear his name in a curse. But it goes way beyond that. That's just the obvious. It includes adding his name thoughtlessly in conversations, which we sometimes do. Did that really happen? Oh my God. It really happened. God, it's hot. Good Lord, are you kidding? All of those are, are colliding with the third command, aren't they? Yeah, we just casually toss his name out in a conversation. Oh, my God. Man, God doesn't take that lightly. He doesn't miss that. And, and, and by the way, it's just as offensive to holy God if we text it. OMG. Hey, right? Am I right? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. On your page, Psalm 111, verse 9, the psalmist writes, and this is such a beautiful expression, he has paid in full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Do you say amen? Amen. May it be our conviction and even more so as we move through this series. And then along with this conviction, let's, 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 let's add this conviction. That God's name is to be feared and revered. David writes in Psalm 86 verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Can we say that together as a church family? Let that be a, a corporate prayer that we would express. Let's do it. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Now this was a prayer request from David to his God. And what David asks for is an ability to never forget that God means business with him. He is who he says he is and he does what he says he's going to do. You don't mess with him. You don't play games with him. uh, You don't trifle with him. He is holy God. Now, there's an element of the hallowed here, but with this fear, it's more than that. There's this reverence. It's, It's not a cowering in the corner as if you're terrified of God, but it's, oh, Lord, your name is great, and you have spoken You have revealed, you have made known, you mean business in my life. So often we want a God who we can easily understand and we want a God who we can neatly display on a bumper sticker or put on a coffee mug. But God refuses to be put into our little boxes and and brought out just when we need Him. He is to be revered who He is as reflected by His names reminds us that He is a God of of awesome power, unfathomable love, but awesome power who is to be glorified. Revere Him. That should be a conviction that we hold. On your note page, leaping forward in time to the very end of this age, in the book of Revelation... We get this description of what those days are going to be like. It's a powerful moment here. Revelation 11:18 on your on your page. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who what? Fear or reverence your name. Very interesting. Both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Fearing God's name empowers us to walk in His ways and live in His truth. And God takes note of that. Not the world's truth, but His truth. Fearing His name is the key to living the abundant life that Jesus speaks of and ultimately entering into all that God has for you and me. To fear and reverence His name is to take Him seriously, brothers and sisters. And we want to do that with every one of His names. He's not as he is so disrespectfully talked of sometimes. He's not the man upstairs. Do you hear that sometimes? We all do. The man upstairs. What an affront that must be to our God. He, you know, he is El Olam, he is Esh Okla, the eternal God, the consuming fire. And if we have any good sense at all, we will never forget that. Lord, your names are to be they are majestic. They're to be hallowed. They're to be revered and feared. And they are to be what? Last thought. Trusted. His names are to be trusted. Psalm 20, verse 7, a beautiful psalm. A beautiful verse. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of of the Lord our God, Jehovah Elohim. God in His Word never gives us a name to call Him by and then fails to live up to the name. Ever. Isn't that a great thought? David sings, but we trust in the name of of the Lord. So when by his names he says to us that he is the God who creates, the God who relates, the God who rules and provides and fights our battles and shepherds us and heals us and, and brings us peace and protects us and sanctifies us and is our foundation and our rock and our righteousness. All of these names that he has, when he says those names, we can trust him for those. Yes? Because he's also the God who never lies. Titus 1 verse 2. And he's the God who never changes. James 1 17. To say it another way, brothers and sisters, we can take his names to the bank of our heart. We can put them on deposit there and make withdrawals on those names whenever we need to, whenever we wish to. And in these names find the strength that we need to face life's toughest stuff. This is our God. He can be trusted. Our God goes by many awesome and hallowed names. It's going to be our joy to become familiar with them and use them as we move through this series together. Let's let's pray. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, only hours before you went to the cross, you prayed in John 17, and in verse 26 you said, I made known to them your name. And I will continue to make it known. Lord Jesus, that is your promise. Hours before the cross, you came to make your Father's name known to us. You came to the earth, you put on flesh, you unveiled the Father's heart, his mind, his will, his character, his love, and his power. You unveiled the full essence of his being. We ask you by your spirit to continue to make his name known to us. Show us new things about him that we've not known. Through this series, do that over these next few months. Do that. That we might worship him in his majesty. And hallow him in his holiness. Reverence him in his power. And and trust him in his changeless nature. We so very much want to know God better. Jesus, make him known. Holy Spirit, we yield to you expectantly. In your name we ask it. Amen and amen. I'm excited. Looking forward to this. Church family, would you stand with me? We'll send you out with a blessing. I would invite you to extend your hands and receive this blessing from the Lord to you as you move into your new week. To know him and to make him known. That is our mission. Amen? Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen and amen. Blessings on your week. We'll see you next time.